Kick it off the 5 o'clock hour. Jimmy B and TC continues on with you. We'll take you up for another hour till 6 o'clock tonight. Cubs baseball coming your way at 6.05. That early start as they are out in Pittsburgh taking on the Pirates game two of that series. It'll be Cole Hamels on the bump. Coming up this hour, going to be talking some Packers coming up in just a few minutes. Evan Tex Western will be joining us from SB Nation, the Acme Packing Company, the name of the Packers site over there, and also some Major League Baseball talk, and we'll put a cap on the MLB trade deadline as Zach Reimer will be stopping by here at about 5.25 or so. A lot of talk to get you home here in the 5 o'clock hour. But, Jim, we got to stop. Uh, start off this hour talking about the big story of today, Urban Meyer. Right. We hit it at the top. It is a huge story and for all intents and purposes, turning a blind eye to domestic violence. You're, you're not in the belief, are you, that he didn't know about this. That this guy, as controlling of he, as he is, didn't know about the alleged abuse of 2009 and of 2015. That seems silly to me. Well, he has come forward and indicated that he knew about 2009. Um, but the 15 is the is the real stickler and if his wife who apparently was told about it and did not inform him does she take the fall uh or did she tell him and he did know about it and then tried to cover it up obviously firing smith Mm -hmm. but still not letting on that he really knew about it Trent, this is going to be a real sticky situation for Ohio State. They're going to have to thoroughly investigate it. And if indeed it comes to light that Urban Meyer actually did know and told everybody at Big Ten Media Days that he did not know, man, oh, man, there's going to be hell to pay and most likely his job. Yeah, I I think it's as simple as that. If we find out that that he knew in any capacity and he came out with those statements, that's the most damning part of this is his coming out and almost calling out Brett McMurphy, who reports his story, almost coming out and saying, no, that's that's not true. It's a terrible look. It's not surprising at all, Ohio State and Urban Meyer, to a program and a football coach that certainly don't come with sterling reputations. That is not a shock at all. I don't think we're going to see Urban Meyer coach a game. I, I don't believe that we will see Urban Meyer be the head coach again at Ohio State. To cover this up in today's day and age and, and double down on it a week ago at Big Ten Football Media Day and say, no, he didn't know anything in 2015, it's not a look I think you can get away with in today's environment. I, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a real struggle for him. But as you well know, uh, Ohio State will try to protect its own, and particularly Irvin Meyer, and the fan base will go absolutely bonkers mm-hmm. if indeed the school tries to remove him. I, I just think this is going to be a very, very difficult situation. It is far from over, and if people think this uh, story is going to get swept under the rug once the uh, players start practicing, this story is not going to go away, and Ohio State will have to do something, either come out with a statement and maintain him or come out with a statement and fire him. 
Well, Jimmy B, we transition over to uh, the NFL right now. Time to talk a little Green Bay Packers. And never easy to trans- to make the transition from this kind of conversation and-, and getting into football talk, but we will try right now. Time to talk a little Green Bay Packers as we make our trip around the NFL, taking a look at our Midwest outposts. And right now, time to talk some Green Bay Packers. Evan Tex Western joining us from the Acme Packing Company. We've talked with Evan a lot throughout the years, breaking down the Packers, and he joins us here today. Uh, you know, Evan, we rip off another month of the calendar. August is here, preseason football. We'll see the pads popping tomorrow night with the Bears and the Ravens. Looking forward to it. How are things? You made it through the summer. Yeah, this is this felt like a long summer. There's a, there's a lot of anticipation in Green Bay this year with you know, Jimmy Graham coming to town with uh, new defense installed, Mike Pettin leading the way. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons I think for Packers fans to be excited, and we're we're happy to be finally through July and into real football. Well, unfortunately, uh, there are always a few nuggets that come out from training camp and people watching practices and things to get excited about. But normally, the biggest things that you talk about are the injuries that happen, and a big one happening uh, in camp on Monday for Green Bay. Jake Ryan, slated to be the starter at an inside linebacker spot, torn ACL. He will be out, obviously, for the season with us. Tell us a little bit about the injury and that spot as they play the 3-4, two inside linebacker spots, certainly taking a big blow. Definitely. Um, yeah, Ryan was going to be the guy next to Blake Martinez at that other starting spot. Um, and, and it helps at least that the Packers drafted uh, an inside linebacker in Oren Burks in the third round this year. So they've certainly got a guy that um, he's got some great athletic ability, but the question is always is can he pick up the scheme quickly and, and you know, be able to contribute early on as a rookie. You know, Ryan's been a great run defender. He's been a very good special teams player as well. I think that's kind of an underreported aspect of his absence is going to be uh, missing him a little bit on special teams too. But, uh, yeah, fundamentally he's a, a real good defender against the run, um, and, and Burks is definitely more of your, your fast pass uh, coverage type of linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if, if Burks does get the job, um, if they kind of cover up his, you know, his lack of size in the run game a little bit. Um, and then if, you know, if for some reason he falters a little bit, there's not much veteran depth of that position. None of the other players have uh, played an NFL game yet uh, behind Burks. So it's definitely a place to watch moving forward in camp here. Uh, you said changes in the defense, and I'm sorry about my voice. It's it's go it go it comes and goes. Uh, well, it's you see already in camp. Um, Mike Patton has brought a little bit of a, a change to the way the Packers line up um, in the nickel formation. So much of what Don Capers did was he lined up two down linemen and uh, two outside linebackers. Whereas in this case, what Petten's been showing is more of a three-down lineman and one outside linebacker look. So he's looking for ways to get Muhammad Wilkerson, Mike Daniels, Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, all those guys on the field at the same time. And so I think uh, you know you'll, you'll see a lot of Wilkerson still playing on third downs, even though um, that's you know typically a, a passing down. I think you're still going to see them use that three-man line as much as they can, just because of the depth they have at that. Uh, at that particular position on the defensive line. And then as far as the secondary goes, I think you've got a, a lot of new faces in the secondary, a lot of new cornerbacks coming in. Um, you know, everybody's excited about Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. Um, and then the return of Tremont Williams has been a, a nice boost for this team as well in terms of his veteran leadership and his ability to play all over the place. 
So it's uh, it's going to be an exciting group, I think, at corner, and certainly that defensive line, I think, should be the strength of this team on defense this year. Well, up front, Mike Daniels, a former Iowa Hawkeye who has been an incredible player for the Packers, a guy that, well, it was down to Iowa and Villanova for his services coming out of high school, and uh, here he is in the NFL becoming an All-Pro and doing well. He was a little bit banged up, quad injury. Doesn't sound like anything overly debilitating. Is that right? Yeah, he was actually able to come back out on the sidelines on Monday after uh, he had that little little injury, so... Um, I would expect him to be back in the field practicing probably by the end of this week. Certainly should be ready to go uh, by the time the first uh, first preseason game rolls around uh, next week. All right, Evan, let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball. And I uh, want to start at the running back position. And maybe for non-Packer fans that are listening right now, this can help them out that their fantasy league. The running back spot. We saw Ty Montgomery start to get carries a couple years ago, did a nice job last year, thrust in there as a starter. They brought in a bunch of different backs. How's the running back situation shaking out at this point? Is Montgomery number one? Is it a 1-1-A with him and Aaron Jones? How is this uh, going to work out in your mind? Yeah, the, the way that everybody's been looking at it is this seems like it's going to be a running back by committee group. Um, McCarthy is known for kind of writing a hot hand and, and kind of sticking with him. And so in this case, um, I honestly think Jamal Williams will probably be the starter for week one. Uh, partially just because Aaron Jones has a, a short two-game suspension to start the season. But um, I, I, if you're asking me who I think is the, the most talented back of that trio, I think it's Jones. I think he's got the, the burst, the breakaway ability to really be um, a really good running back in this league. But uh, Williams can give you something else. He, he's more of the, the pounder, the 25-carry-a-game the 20, guy you know, who can really carry a, a heavy load and, and take a beating. Where Montgomery, I think, fits in is probably more of a change-of-pace guy. Um, I think you're going to see him split out in the slot a little bit more, playing a little bit of wide receiver again this year, especially once Jones comes back. And I think you're going to see him, you know, maybe get five, six, seven carries a game. I don't think you'll ever see uh, Montgomery play that workhorse role like he did early in the season last year again, unless there's something that happens to Williams and Jones. But I really think that once all three of those guys are, are on the field and healthy, I think you're going to see um, a, a pretty good split of carries among those three. And I hope that's the case because I think each of them brings something very different to the table, and uh, you can use them to, to really create some difficult matchups for the defense. You know, as, as you go through here, Aaron Rodgers last season lost for a significant portion of the year. There's continued to be talk about a contract extension, and uh, according to NFL Network, I saw today Ian Rappaport reported that the Packers and Rodgers have made, quote, real progress in negotiations over a new deal for the quarterback. Uh, what's the latest that you're hearing there? How is this uh, sitting at this point, and, and how deep into camp could this go before maybe they decide to shut it down? Yeah, I think um, the, the the report you mentioned from Rappaport is probably the, the most up-to-date information that I've got, too. And I would anticipate them to, to keep working on this probably until week one of the regular season. I think they'd love to get it done before that point. Um, I think if it, if it takes, you know, to the end of the preseason to do it, I don't think anybody's going to really start to worry too much. I think where it would start hanging over a little bit is if you get into week one and then you don't have that done. And mm-hmm. at that point, you might, uh, you might just take a break for a little bit. But at this point, um, yeah, I fully expect that they'll, they'll be able to come to an agreement here in the next maybe three or four weeks or so. Um, yeah, maybe do it by the last week of the preseason. And I think that's going to be just fine for everybody involved. Tell us about the protection up front, Bakhtiari. We know how good he is, 
Balaga on the other side, on the pup list. What uh, What's happening with another former Hawkeye, Brian Bulaga, and the offensive line as a whole? Yeah, Bulaga's coming off a torn ACL from last October, and most of us had penciled him in as probably starting even the regular season on the pup list. But uh, Mike McCarthy said that he thinks that is going to be ready to go for week one. Hmm. Now that would be a huge boost for this offensive line. Uh, the backups at right tackle, Jason Spriggs, Kyle Murphy, you know, they've shown a little bit of flashes, but certainly nowhere near the level of consistency and just solid play that Belaga brings to the table. So if he is indeed uh, able to be activated in training camp, ready to go for week one, that's going to be a huge, huge question mark answered on this offensive line. At that point, then you can shift all your focus to figuring out uh, who's going to be starting at right guard. Right now, I think Justin McCray looks like he's got the inside track on that job. But uh, it's definitely going to be an open competition here in camp, and that's the spot to keep an eye on. And uh, another new weapon to play around with with Aaron Rodgers this year and Jimmy Graham. Graham, he uh, went to Seattle, wasn't the same production-wise at what we saw in New Orleans. What's a realistic expectation in your mind for Jimmy Graham this year? Yeah, Graham's been a tough guy to figure out, and, and in part because it seems like the Seattle offensive staff didn't really know how to use him, especially between the 20s. He was always a great red zone weapon, and he actually carried that through still in Seattle. So I think you'll, you'll really see Graham replace a lot of the red zone production that, that Jordy Nelson had, um, where you need to see him really contribute in ways he didn't in Seattle is moving the chains between the 20s, being that deep threat up the scene. And so I think the, with Joe Feldman coming back to help lead the offense with Mike McCarthy, uh, Feldman had some, some great seasons with Jermichael Finley at tight end, and I think uh, you're going to see them try to work that position into the offense a little bit better this year. Uh, certainly with the versatility that Graham has, he can line up all over the place, so that's going to create some matchup problems as well. I think a realistic expectation, you know, maybe 50 catches, you know, 600 yards, I think is, is a good place to start. If he can give you anything more than that, then, then that's great. And, and I certainly would think you know, you're looking at least six to eight touchdowns out of him just based on his red zone abilities. You know, as you go through, and I know we talked about this back when the schedules were released, but you look at the way it sets up. The first six games of the regular season before the bye week that comes in week seven. So many winnable games in the front half of that. The most difficult game certainly appears to be the home game against the Vikings, but a chance for the Packers here to get off to a really good start, and you want to do that because for the next five after that bye week are on the road. Yeah, that, that middle part of this schedule this year looks really rough because you mentioned it. Coming out of the bye, you get a road game at the Rams, and then you fly all the way across the country to play the Patriots mm. on uh, Sunday night. Um, so, so, yeah, that's going to be a real tough stretch. Um, you, know, you add in a Thursday night game at Seattle in there, too. It's, it's going to be ugly. So they can find a way to, um, you know, to get to 4-2 and two before that and maybe win two of, that, two or three of those five games. That's going to be... Really, I think, a defining part of the Packers' schedule this year. All right, we'll let you go, Jimmy B. Uh, do you got one more in it? Is the voice going to hold up here? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if it will or not. Go ahead, Trent, close it out. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll, we'll save Britson's Give voice. Give it my best shot. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll save it as, as much as possible here. Well, we'll let you go with uh, this. We'll talk to you throughout the preseason. We'll talk to you, obviously, throughout the year, as we always enjoy our conversations here, Evan. But as you sit now, are the Green Bay Packers going to unseat the Vikings and win the division? Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot, but, um, yeah, I'm going to say they'll do it. I think uh, with, with Petten in there for the defense, I think this, this group turns around. I think there's so much talent now at the cornerback position that they didn't have that, um, 
the, the Packers are going to get back to maybe the cusp of being a top 10 defense, which is really what you need when you have Aaron Rodgers to be, you know, a, a serious contender for, for making a Super Bowl appearance. So I think they get to that point. I think uh, they win the division, and I think they threaten to, to make a deep run this year. Awesome. Hey, appreciate the time as always, Evan. We'll do it again soon. My pleasure, guys. Go Pack Go. There he is, Evan Tex <laughs> Western. You can find him part of the Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation site, on the Green Bay Packers. Jimmy B, as I look at this Packers team, they're going to be better than they were a year ago. You have to right, assume yeah. no injury for Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be fine in that spot. Enough to unseat the Vikings. Are you willing to go there? I'm not willing to go there yet. No, I'm not. I, I still think Minnesota uh, is still the class uh, of that division. And the upgraded quarterback makes a big difference with Cousins. And with them tweaking the defense, Trent, I I, I, I just think it's Minnesota. And, and Minnesota all the way. Here's, uh, here's Green Bay's first six. I mentioned this to Evan. Okay. Sunday yeah. night football to begin it against the Bears. That's a win. They get the Vikings in Week 2 at home in Green Bay. Right. If you put that down as a win, look at these next four. At Washington, Buffalo at home, at Detroit, San Francisco at home. There's a real possibility, Jimmy B, this team gets off to a 6-0 and start. I, I don't think it's a huge stretch at all to do mm-hmm. that. Now, the four of the next five, as we talked about, at Rams, at New England, home for Miami, at Seattle, at Minnesota – that is an absolute bear. They keep their head above water. I think there's a real opportunity here for the the, the Packers to get this division. I'm, I'm maybe even starting to lean in that direction, Jimmy B. I'm wow. getting there. Wow. I told wow. you I think there's going to be a comeback from the Rams, the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I like what they did going in, all in with Cousins. I still have yes. concerns with the offensive line. It was better than it was the year previous, but it still wasn't great a year ago. And, of course, the tragic passing is Tony Sperano. I, I don't know, Jim. I, I'm, I'm maybe heading back to the direction of Go Pack Go as uh, Evan left us with there. We still got another month before we have to make our official predictions, but I'm heading right. that way. I, I don't know if I can go that way yet. I, I'm still favoring uh, the Minnesota Vikings at, at this time. I really am. I, I just think they're loaded. And I just think that this this is, after the year they had last year, so close, I just have a feeling, Trent, that if they stay reasonably healthy, that this is going to be their division. I, that's just how I feel right now. Well, we're going to take a break here. We're going to let you get some water. Try to fix that voice up yep. a little bit more. You've been you battling. <laughs> you've been persevering. I appreciate that. Jimmy B putting in yeoman's work with the bad voice here this afternoon. We'll get the timeout. Coming back on the other side, we're talking Major League Baseball. Zach Reimer, he's going to join us talking MLB. Coming up next here, it's Jimmy B and TC. We continue on here. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG with you until 6 o'clock here tonight. A lot of day baseball going on. We welcome in Zach Reimer from Bleacher Report to talk about, well, not really what happened in the day of baseball. That's not, we're taking a more broad view at the MLB trade deadline. And Zach, you were able to make it. There was a lot of wheeling and dealing over the last couple of days, and you made it to August. Somehow made it to August, yeah. Uh, last couple of days, pretty much a whirlwind, especially right before the trade deadline yesterday, where there was like 95 trades within the span of a minute. Um, but that's kind of how it is, and this was um, 
you know, by trade deadline standards, this was a this was a doozy. It was there was a lot of trades going on, a lot of teams going for it, which is fun to see. Yeah, we've seen uh, a little bit more of that the last couple of years. And what do you equate that to? Is it teams being more flexible? Is it? I think a big part of it is everybody's looking for relievers and for teams that are out of the race. Well, if you want to get rid of a reliever and take a shot at a prospect, you do that. Why do you think we've seen more wheeling and dealing? Maybe not the stars of the past for the most part, but overall, a lot more of these mid-range, low-leverage deals that have been happening across baseball. Uh, I think you're you're on point in saying that the the rise of importance of bullpens has played a part in this, and that you really do have to deepen your pitching staff as much as possible, uh, and the trade deadline is the opportune time to do that, obviously. Uh, there's also, you know, the second wild card has created an mm-hmm. environment for more contenders to throw their hat in the ring. That's a factor. And also just the general uh, landscape of Major League Baseball, the general competitive landscape is it's no longer kind of acceptable to sit there and spin your wheels. You're either going for it or you're not. And either way, you're going to be making moves. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions. The New York Mets, nobody really knows what they're doing. Uh, the Nationals, you could kind of look at them and say, well, you should have done something at the deadline. Uh, but generally speaking, just the way things are set up now, it's just kind of conducive to more action. It's uh, It's been really interesting, and I'll let Jim try to battle through here in a moment as he's battling with his uh, with his voice right now. But, but I want to get your perspective first on the NL Central. And the Cubs at the top lose another tough one last night. We'll get to see Cole Hamill start here in just a little bit in his matchup against the Pirates. The Pirates went out, surprised most everybody, in acquiring Chris Archer. They also brought out Inkella from Texas to help solidify that bullpen. The Cubs, Hamels, and a couple of bullpen pieces with Kinsler and Chavez. As you look around, to me, the most maybe confusing aspect, and I saw a lot of people call the Brewers big winners here. I'm still not willing to go there. They first get Moustakis. They move Shaw over to second base. Then they bring in Shoup from Baltimore. Sorry, helping out that bullpen. That's fine. Where's the starting pitching? Isn't that what the Brewers need? Yeah, it's a little disappointing that they didn't go out and get a starting pitcher. Uh, and yet the weird thing is that for all the hand-wringing that's been done over their starting rotation, it's mostly been fine this year. And I'll, part of the reason why that is is because they've been able to kind of downplay the importance of it with the depth of depth in their bullpen. Uh, and going and getting a guy like Soria allows them to essentially kind of continue that formula. And now you go and get uh, Mike Moustakis, Jonathan Scope. What was already a pretty good lineup now is just, it has a lot of depth. I mean, they're going to have to move some pieces around because it seems like they have more guys to play than they have positions available. But if Craig Council can do that in a, a satisfactory manner, they're set up to finish the season pretty strong, especially relative to a Cubs team where I like the Handles deal, I like the Kinsler deal, I like the, uh, the Chavez deal, but... You know, it's still, I think, that the success of the Cubs comes down to, can you Darvish make a strong return? Can yeah. Chris Bryant make a strong return? Can Brandon Morrow make a strong return? A lot of, pretty, three pretty big ifs there, given that, you know, especially with Darvish and Bryant, where they just haven't been themselves all season. Uh, that NL Central race is going to be interesting, and I think the Brewers kind of took the inside track with their work around the deadline. Were you surprised with what Pittsburgh did, uh, acquiring Archer? Uh, yes, 
Yes, I mean, I, it's uh, surprising if for no other no other reason than just a couple of weeks ago they were they were out of it. We were talking about them as a possible seller. They were going to trade Corey Dickerson, Francisco Cervelli, uh, Sean Rodriguez, whoever it may be, and here they are and they're buying. Uh, and I'm also surprised that they were able to make two pretty substantial upgrades, not just for this year but for the long term. Kella is going to be around through 2020, Archer through 2021, presumably. Without giving up any truly vitally important pieces, the best player they traded yesterday was Austin Meadows. And, you know, they have Dickerson in their outfield for next year and obviously Starling Martin, Gregory Blanco. They don't have an obvious need for him. And obviously, you know, Tyler Glasnow is a former top prospect, but not really a top prospect anymore. So uh, good on them. I think it was a case of them being just opportunistic and that, like, hey, we can get these guys at reasonable prices. Why don't we do that? And... Here they are. I, they still have a mountain, or still still have a hill to climb in the NL Central. But this is not just for this year, and I think that's a good look on them. Finally, in the National League Central, the Cardinals they trade away Tommy Fan, maybe their best all-around player that they had, but they really were able to restock their farm system. A lot of we're not talking elite prospects, but a lot of very good prospects from different organizations, kind of replenishing things down below. Uh, help us wrap our mind around what the St. Louis Cardinals were doing here at the deadline. The Tommy Pham trade is interesting in that I'm actually not that big of a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they sold low on him, and I can't help but wonder if his outspokenness and willing and willingness to kind of tell it like it is made might have made them that much more willing to get rid of him. Um. I wonder, like, man, you you got a talent like that. I know he's 30 years old and a relative newcomer, but I don't think you let him go that easily. So I don't know about that. Uh, and, you know, I just – the Cardinals are in an interesting spot now where it's like they almost have to kind of, like, find their organizational philosophy again. They kind of got away from him the last couple of years. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I need to be sold on whatever new direction they're going because they, they lost their way for a bit. In the uh, in the East are the, are the Phillies, Atlanta, what? I think so. I mean, right now it's probably easiest to count the Nationals out in that race, especially given that they didn't really do anything in the trade deadline yesterday. Um, but listen, this is a team that you know it's going to get healthy at some point, and if they rip off like a seven, eight, nine, ten game win streak. That could be it. And I think that they do have that potential to rip off a win streak like that. So I'm not counting them out at all, especially given that, you know, the Braves made a few moves yesterday, but I'm not the biggest Kevin Gosman fan. I just, uh, the fastball isn't what it once was. Uh, swing and miss isn't really all there. So I don't know really what they're getting in him. I think the Phillies upgraded the most in getting. Wilson Ramos and certainly Estrubal Cabrera, they really needed his bat at shortstop. Between those two, I think they have a bit more lasting power, but no matter which way you slice it, this is going to be a three-team race the rest of the way. It's just I don't think anybody is going to run away with it. Yeah, and uh, it, it sounds like Bryce Harper was at least floated out there by the front office of the Nationals. Obviously nobody bid, as we know here. Uh, they still have hopes that they can make a run throughout this second half, but as you look at it, did the Nationals make a mistake in not dealing Bryce Harper? I, you know, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I mean, I try to put myself in their shoes and that, you know, it's easy to kind of sit back in an armchair and say, like, oh, the Nationals really should trade Bryce Harper while they can. But, um, listen, they're not out of it. They haven't been out of it at any point this season. And it's kind of hard to sit back and say, okay, at the last minute, maybe we're out of it. Let's see what we can get for this guy when it's like 24 hours until the trade deadline. That's tough. And also, you know, he's a he, by reputation, he's a superstar, but in reality right now, he's barely a star. Uh, the offense is above average, but not way above average like it has been in the past. Defensively, not his finest season. So you do wonder, like, you know, in theory, could they have gotten, you know, this tremendous package of prospects for him? Maybe not so much in reality. So, And then you also have to wonder, they probably want to try and re-sign him this winter, so why risk alienating him by trading him so you know it was a it would have been a really great idea for them in theory to trade bryce harper but i just in reality it never was particularly likely uh mike trout's the best player in baseball and he's showing it the funny part was a few weeks back that baseball wasn't promoting Mike Trout at all. Uh, is he doing a good job with the way that he's playing baseball right now in promoting himself? You know, it's just by all accounts, and, you know, basically anybody you talk to has ever interviewed him, and I've interviewed him, he is just. He does his own thing, and he is not an attention seeker by any means. So I don't think self-promotion comes to him naturally. I don't think it's something that he's especially motivated to do. And I have a hard time saying, you know, as much as I, I believe that Mike Trout deserves to be one of the most famous athletes in the world, he's not right now. He's obviously well-known among baseball fans, but, I mean, if you, he's not a LeBron James. He's not a, he's not a Cristiano Ronaldo. He doesn't have that level of fame anywhere close to it. But I have, a, I have a tough time sitting here saying, like, you know, you really should be doing things differently because what he's doing right now, he's made himself an arguably the greatest play, baseball player we've ever seen. So I'm inclined to say just, Trout, you do you. And I do want to give Rob Manfred not some credit but defend him a little, a little bit on this point. I feel like he's getting a little bit too much heat for what he said. I wonder it was a situation where he was asked the question, he gave an honest response, and his response was basically, if Trout wanted to do this, we could help him with it. But he never said Trout should be doing this. So I think the thing, uh, the overall controversy got a little overblown, but I think everybody should stay in their respective lanes because it's all working out just fine. Back uh, to the Midwest, and we go over to the American League Central where the Indians are running away with the division. Nobody really a challenger. Up north in Minnesota, they traded off uh, basically anything that wasn't Locked down. Brian Dozier, Eduardo Escobar, Ryan Presley, Zach Duke, Lance Lynn, a team that doesn't have a whole lot on the books for next season. Do you like what they did replenishing the farm system? Good prospects that you look at here? Or is it just a lost season for Minnesota and this is what you have to do? I think they did what they had to do. And yeah, you go and get some prospects, including some MLB-ready players. And also, let's not discount the fact that they dumped quite a bit of payroll too because mm-hmm. this is not this is not a rebuilding team what they're doing is retooling and typically what that involves is coming right back next year and what we're probably going to see is they're going to reinvest some of the money that they saved by from these trades 
into the free agent market and hopefully get back into contention next year, which is far from, you know, outside the realm of possibility. This is the team that has some pretty good bones. They just need to get some depth. So, um, yeah, I, I, I approve of what they did. They, they did. they traded the guys they had to trade, and they didn't really take it any further than that. Uh, also in the American, can Seattle run down Houston? Or are the Astros just too good? Because they're making it. Because they are making a race out of it right now. Uh, yeah, I, it's. I think it has more to do with the slump that the Astros have found themselves in. They're not really hitting this month, and you know, Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa are on the DL. George Springer hurt his shoulder last night, but um, you know, you go back like a month, maybe a little bit more than a month. The Mariners have basically been floating right around 500. I don't know if they're going to go on a run and really chase down the Astros. If there's a threat to do that in the AOS, it's probably the A's. I mean, this is they've been one of the best teams in baseball for about a month now, or over a month now, and with a really, really good lineup, one of the better bullpens in baseball, and you know their rotation is kind of patchwork, but Bob Melvin is making it work, so... Um, It'll be tough to chase down the Astros, but they do not quite have the division locked up yet. Zach, as always, good stuff. Appreciate it, and appreciate you uh, willing to deal with Jimmy B's terrible voice today. Mine's <laughs> normally terrible every single day. His is bad today. And thanks for uh, persevering through it with us today. We'll talk again soon. It's my pleasure. Thank you for tolerating my nonsense once more. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. That's Zach Reiber joining us here today as we talk a little baseball and put a cap on the trade deadline from yesterday, Jim. Certainly we talked a lot about that, the wheeling and dealing and, and the movement that is out there. But uh, overall, one of the, the more entertaining trade deadlines that I can remember. Mm-hmm. It, it was. It really was. Uh, I was impressed with what a lot of teams did, uh, and I'm sure that there were other deals that tried to go down but did not go down. Um, I, I just found... And not over yet. You can still, as long as guys clear waivers, there still is more movement that can be had. We'll keep our eye on that as we take a look around baseball here. The final two months of the season got started earlier today. Cleveland with another victory as they beat the Twins 2 to nothing. The Cubs in action 6-0-5 right after we finish up and their matchup against Pittsburgh. And, and certainly excited to see what we're going to get out of Cole Hamels in his opening start against the Pirates trying to slow down the Red Hot Pittsburgh Pirates. We get the top, uh, the break here coming back and putting a cap on things on the other side as we get ready for the night in sports. Back with more, it's Jimmy B and TC. Back with you one final time, Jimmy B and TC. We presented in part by New Leaf Wellness. If you're looking to get into better shape, looking to lose weight, or maybe you just hit a plateau in your workout, New Leaf Wellness can help you out with that and a whole lot more. Give them a call at 650-1358. 650-1358, located on West. Town Parkway, New Leaf Wellness. So, Jimmy B, as uh, we get ready to finish up the day in uh, a wild one here in the world of sports, we talked a lot about Urban Meyer throughout the day. That story is something to keep uh, an eye on throughout. Is he going to survive? How long is it going to be? We'll certainly be keeping an eye on that. But as it pertains to actual sports tonight, we had a lot of day baseball. Obviously, Cubs here at the get-go, and we got to see what Cole Campbell still has got in right. that left arm as he makes his first start with the Cubbies. 
and he generally pitches well on the road. Uh, he struggled at Texas Stadium, like I'm struggling right now. <laughs> only <laughs> so I have a I have a feeling that he'll try to do well tonight. Uh, the Pirates are surging, Trent. Yes. There's no question. There's no question about that. And if they are successful again tonight, you're going to start to see the Cubs fans start to get skittish again. But uh, we will wait and see what happens. I'm also going to have my eye on Milwaukee. Yep. and the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers tonight, and I can't wait for tomorrow uh, when golf starts and Tiger Woods is back on the course at the championship. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's not too bad. That's not a bad one at all, Jimmy B. The yeah. golfing, getting Tiger back out at there after what we got to see from him throughout the Open Championship over at the British. Yeah, looking forward to that too. I am with you, Dodgers Milwaukee late tonight. Going to be doing that, and uh, well before that. I'm going to be making my way down to Indianola this evening, as long as the weather holds and we're okay in that. I'm going to go okay. check out some balloons down there. It's the Balloon Festival, Jimmy B. Yeah. You ever yeah. been to that thing yeah. before? I I have, yes. It's a lot of fun. Uh, very colorful. And I hope that the weather does hold, because they can't go up if the weather's bad at all. Right, yeah. So Ella got, has been able to get a kick out of that the last couple of years. We make the drive down. So that's where I'm going to be heading, making my way down to Indianola for this evening. Coming up. Tomorrow, another busy program here, and uh, our two local shows over the noon hour with myself and Ken Miller from 12 until 2, and also here on the drive home from 4 until 6 with Jimmy B and TC. I know we got Zuba Mahente slotted to go with us over the lunch hour. We got Ken Silverstein stopping by tomorrow. Going to be a lot of fun talking with him. So much on the Big Ten, and hopefully we'll know a little bit more about what's happening with Urban Meyer and Ohio State. We'll tackle all of that Tomorrow here on 1700. Jimmy B, no seven and sevens for you tonight. You drink that tea, you drink your honey, you do whatever elixir you come up with. Get that voice feeling better, all right? Are, are you feeling uh, okay, though? Yeah. Okay. No, I feel fine. Well, yeah, no, that's not that's not the issue. I, right. I have a feeling that it's like an allergy problem, uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, and my voice just kind of goes in and out. So uh, I feel bad for you that you had to put up with me today. <laughs> well, not, 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 not really. Yeah, I, I put up with you every day, in fact. Uh, every day, yeah. yes. We we yes, we you put do. you on a pitch count today, and you were able to you're able to make it through. You gave us a few innings and got us till tomorrow, and that's a good thing. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in. If you miss any portion of the program, you can always find us over on our podcast page at 1700kbgg.com. Just search uh, Jimmy B and TC on your Google machine. You can find the podcast there as well. That'll do it for tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on 1700. KBGG.